It's the show that makes us talk. So why do golfers always bring two pairs of pants with them? Good question. I have no idea why. Because they might get a hole in one. (laughs) What about our life? With Chris and Will, Season 2. episode. How are you guys doing out there? Hi! Yes, we are, gosh, we're already in September. Wow. And, you know, I want to say that everybody really wants this year to be over with, but I'm actually having fun at it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been enjoying, I mean, it's been nice. Yes, and you know what? You go out in the road and it's not as much traffic out there and it's just it's enjoyable. Are you saying Thanos was right? Who? <laughs> I don't even. What? Mixed lie. Uh, anyways, well, obviously Explain we have two return guests with us, Tony and Ginger, welcoming back. Hiya! Yes. Yay! And you know what? Tony and Ginger are now going to be a part of our team, helping the branding of Chris and Will. A lot of exciting new stuff going on, and we're excited to have them a part of our family of course yes very honored yes absolutely so you might you might you might you probably will later (laughs) in other episodes Mm. but for now you know they're here with us again for the second round because you guys enjoyed them last time yes have them back yep we'll drop by every once in a while yes absolutely so this week we are talking about willie Overthinking Willie. Oh, Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're talking about anxiety. We're talking about Uh overthinking. We're talking about all kinds of different things. Because you know what? What Right now, all during the pandemic, (laughs) everybody's been overthinking everything. Everything, 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 to overthinking and overthinking and overthinking to where we're not making any sense at all. So why the hell are we thinking? I had to think about that. I know. <laughs> exactly. That's why I said it. I did it that way. So it'll create anxiety. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so here's a good question. What causes anxiety? Oh, Lord. A you lot know. of different things. A lot of different things. Well, you know what? Things. I think to start it off, um, making mistakes, you know, over worrying the like outcome of things. All right, here's a good one. Um, what causes anxiety? Are you born with it? Hmm. Could be. Inheritance, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it is. Yeah. If your mother or father or someone in your family feared everything, overthought everything, yep. mm-hmm. had so much anxiety in their life, it carries to you. Yep. <laughs> is is that taught or are you born with it? Uh, both, I think. Okay. I think you like... If you're watching them and noticing their actions, mm-hmm. it's easier to kind of accept them as a normal until you find out that those actions are obsessive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, crud, that's not what I wanted to be. But, you know, sometimes I don't think I think in some little way we learn from what our parents do, but then we don't. Because they think that we learn 
from our parents doing what they are, what they do. And then you say, okay, I'm not going to do that. But then at the same time, you end up doing that. Mm -hmm. And so you, you don't, you, you learn from it, but you are recreating it without knowing that you're recreating it. And it's that feeling like you catch yourself, but then like actually visually you're like, nah, that doesn't look anything like that. But really on the outside it is. Yeah, I, I, so I think that uh, it's almost the same thing with anxiety. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna know how to deal with things on your own, but you're also gonna deal with it the same way your parents dealt with it, in a sense, because you're always gonna test those trials. I would say to see, well, they did it this way. I wonder if it'll work for me this way. I mean, maybe they didn't do it properly, so I'm gonna redo it again. And see if it'll work for me this time. So, or maybe I'll put my own twist on it, throw in a yeah. couple of stuff. Oh, yeah, I'll be fine. How's that working out for you? Not uh, so, so well, yeah. Anxiety, I think, another big one, and we've talked about this before. Anxiety creates yourself from the biggest problem with anxiety in, that you put in yourself is finding yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest anxiety that you have is yep. finding yourself mm-hmm. i think that like I, your I really purpose think. like just you know what do you do like is this going to turn out right oh my gosh how is this going to affect such and such and what and what and there's that overthinking i think there's a lot of pressure to find yourself you know they always tell you you got to find yourself yeah they, yeah they give you an expectation and you go on the wrong, you kind of go on the wrong path. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's like, well, this is what you're like. And you start going down that path and go, that's not how I'm, that's not what I'm like. Mm-hmm. And it might take you a while to turn back around. And exactly. Go down the right path. I agree. My anxiety stems majority of the time when I can't control something. Wow. When I don't, I, I it's something completely out of my control, mm-hmm. out of my realm of being able to wrap my head around it. And it, just gives me anxiety yeah yeah definitely so how do you think that people are handling anxiety now carefully do you really think carefully not at all i don't think at all really i don't think so i think i think what i think think they're being careful but they're not careful enough and i'm not saying oh well they're following guidelines and stuff like that i think what they're doing is they're not being careful enough because they're still not paying attention to themselves. Dang. Yes, exactly. yes, exactly. And mm-hmm. there's they're they're following what everyone else is telling them to do, and they're not doing things for themselves. So, like for example, here it goes into the the school thing, and I'm not going to get in get too in detailed with it because again, everybody has their opinion on why their kids should be going back to school or why their kids should not be going back to school. At the end of the day, first and foremost, it is the parents' choice to decide whether they believe that the school system is safe enough for their kids to go back to school and whether they trust their kids to go back out into public. Now, that's step one. The second step, I think, it's the parent's responsibility to follow up with that trust, to prepare their child for whether they're going to stay home or whether they're going to go out into school. Because if they stay home, that's a completely different lifestyle than going to school. Mm -hmm. But if they go to school, that's a newer lifestyle that they all have to adapt to. And, of course, it is a risk factor. So I think that 
a lot of people are so busy listening to everyone else and every other guideline out there that they're not listening to themselves to find out what's best for their kids. Because at the end of the day, you know, it really should be a conversation with your kids to ask your kids what they understand about what's going on and what they feel they would like to do mm-hmm. yeah. of what's going on. And I think a lot of people are missing that, yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, it's the kids that got to grow through this. It's the kids that have got to go on with this. Yeah. You know, we all had to deal with um, different things in our lifetime. Like, this is what comes to mind. 9-11. Oh, yeah. When 9-11 yeah. happened, we had to adapt to what was going on during that time period. Yeah. So we had to make the choice of what was best for us. Now we've talked about this before when 9-11 happened and people were, most people were panicking, going home, staying home. And Willie and I were going to, to cash and carry to go grocery shopping. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and there was nobody in there. Yep, yep. And we were like, I'm not going to stay home. I mean, you know, it, it, life is going to happen one way or another. If I, it, whether I stay home or I'm not, if it's time for me to have to go through whatever I need to go through, it's going to happen no matter whether or not I am out there doing something or I'm staying home. You know, it, it it's going to happen anyway. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So how would you suggest people go through this? How would you see, how, how do you think people should see their life through this? Well, that's a, that's a hard question because um, there's so much conflicting information yes. right now, mm-hmm. and, and we we're trying to we're trying to sort through it to figure out what the truth is. Right. Um, you know, we 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 just had some recent um, uh, I don't know enlightenments of, of what's been going on and what what has happened and and whether that was the right thing to do or whether that was the wrong thing to do. But you know, in the end, it it really is. Do you do you face it and say it could just happen, or do you want to stay, you know, safe and and self quarantine? And how is that going to affect your future? Right. Yeah. I mean, you can stay in your house all this time, but then you become this hermit. Yeah. Are you going to be able to get back into society if you're putting yourself in isolation? Mm-hmm. Isolation is not. It, it's a punishment in prison. So, I mean, now we're, we're kind of forced to isolate ourselves away from people and treat people like they have the plague because they might just have the plague. Yeah. I mean, it's basically right. like, wow, what do I do? Should I be doing this? Okay. Things that you usually would do aren't coming back so quickly because you're being in that one spot. You're not actively moving as much as you usually right. would. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I came across this article on March 26, 2020. It was on in Forbes magazine, I should Mm -hmm. say, not on Forbes magazine. But it talks about how to manage depression and anxiety in frightening times. Quite interesting. And one of the key things that I saw in it is investing in all three areas of your well-being, your mind, body, and spirit, to maintain your strength. Wow. Very interesting. And it continues on by saying, for your mind, surround yourself with positive, supporting people. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Practice positive self-talk 
and remind yourself you have control over your actions and thoughts. Wow, that's there a big go, one. That is, yeah, that's hard. Uh-huh. Then it goes on, for your body, commit to daily fitness, even <laughs> if you just <laughs> if you just do a brisk 20-minute walk or yes. something. In you the mean, Florida heat? Walk, <laughs> you mean walk up four flights of stairs to your apartment? Oh, <laughs> that works too. Yeah, you know what? I'm out of breath by the time I get up here, boys. But you know what? It could be, hey, here's a good exercising tip. A good exercising tip for 20 minutes is bending down to sit on the toilet and picking yourself up. <laughs> there you go. Just do those squats for a little bit. I said, what were you eating? <laughs> Dude, don't even go there. Hey, got to get creative, you know? <laughs> what if you have a squatty party? <laughs> <laughs> you still do the squats. <laughs> Are there any unicorns around? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. It says eat a consistent, healthy diet that includes greens, omegas, protein, vegetables, and of course, is low in sugars. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where's so, the fun in that? No kidding. No kidding. And then on the third aspect, it says for your soul. Be purposely in your thoughts and actions and reflect on and commit to your core values daily. Oh, oh wow. So it's kind of I like, agree with that, but that's a that that's a struggle. That's, that's a tough one. Uh -huh. Yeah. That's heavy. Yep. Mm -hmm. it, it is. It is. It is. And it goes, here are some tips to help address fear and anxiety, which I found kind of uh, interesting. Mm -hmm. it, <laughs> I love this one. Manage your stimulation. I don't think Willie and I have that kind of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I really, 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 really don't. Um, turn off the television and put down the mobile devices for extended periods of time. Good advice. Stay off Facebook. For <laughs> God's sakes, get off Facebook. The world is not ending. I read an article which I thought was so damn stupid, and people are buying into it. Disneyland is going to move to Texas. Yeah. What? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. I'm sitting there going, that. come oh, on. You guys stay off social it's media. It's a satire. People. Yeah. It just, gosh. Was that the onion? Uh, no, it wasn't the idea. It was, it was so just a satire. Else. It was a satire article that they were tired of it. They were going to move everything to Texas. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just, oh. The next tip says increase a focus on positivity. So basically, stay around positive. Mm -hmm. Move to stay Texas. Around, with Disneyland. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or come with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The third one is don't neglect your body. Yeah. Of course, again, that's a good important. Do your squats mm -hmm. and um, do your squats up and down on the toilet. And there you <laughs> yeah. go. If that's all you can do, that's all you can do. And you know what? You can do it on your couch. You can, well, don't do it on your couch, but you know <laughs> what? Sit up, sit down on your couch. If you're watching TV, you can watch Maury while you're doing the squats on tv and find out who the damn daddy is <laughs> how about that that that's is indicated that's a lie exactly okay. <laughs> oh gosh and then the next one is you gotta oh lost my train of thought of course i've lost my train of thought Don't anyway <laughs> Don't overthink it. Exactly. <laughs> and it basically goes, acknowledge your challenges and address them. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is what really color? good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what color dress? No. Then again, it goes right. It you know, it, it it finally it it goes include family and friends with your positive and your online support group if you need it. Basically, continuing on with the positivity. Yeah. That's yeah. how you kind of get through it. So let's go into overthinking really quick. Easy to do. Very easy <laughs> to do. Very 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 easy to do. Why is why is overthinking you would would be part of depression? I think because not overthinking it, um, <laughs> you have this one voice or like you have this one voice and the first thing like somebody's talking to you and like you want to respond to them and you hear something inside your head say something, but you're like, okay, do I repeat what I just heard? Because that's actually the right thing to say, or do I rebel and actually twist it around and say something else? Or do I just actually just say something completely different that had no relation to it at all. See how I overthought that? Yeah. I need a cigarette after that. See? <laughs> I don't smoke, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> so here's a good one. And I'm going to use Willie as this as my uh, as my example. Um, a lot of the big things in this in a lot of Willie's story, face your truth. Oh. Mm -hmm. mm. That is the hardest thing to say is mm -hmm. face your truth. Yeah. Because you know what? The truth can be great and the truth can be bad, but the truth is you're real. You can't change actually what happened. You can't change what it really is. You can't. You can alter it. You can make excuses for it. You can you can pretty it up. You it. can do yeah. whatever you want to do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can you can put all kinds of decorations on it at the end of the day. You're not going to change the truth. Right. So facing your truth is probably the best cure in my mind for overthinking. Because I think the hardest to do it's the hardest to yeah. do. Because you're gonna over you're gonna spend more time overthinking how you can alter it. Mm -hmm. then you are going to say, I accept this. This is what happened. This is the truth. This is where it is. This is me. In wow. Sense. And we all have active imaginations. So do. Mm -hmm. you have to turn that off and, and face the reality rather than come up with this great scenario where, oh, everything's fine. You know, the, the mm -hmm. room's on fire and the dog's sitting there. Everything's fine. Um, so, you know, it... Um, it, that's what makes it so hard because your your imagination starts to run away from you. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's like the next one: face your space. Wow, huh? what does Facing that mean? Facing your space, basically filling the voids you're avoiding. Oh, okay, mm. that's Fill my spot. The filling the avoid, filling the voids you're avoiding. Wow, when you have yeah. a sense of silence yeah. or a sense, a sense of empty, and you're going all around that empty space, mm -hmm. but you're not, with not pizza. yeah, <laughs> right? Okay, you're you're not you're avoiding filling in that space. Okay, I've seen myself do that uh -huh. now that I've been thinking about it. So if you or, face mm -hmm. your space then you're 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 acknowledging in my opinion now i'm not a doctor or a specialist but by any means you're acknowledging that there's a space there's an emptiness that needs to be filled it's interesting you say that because there are a few things like you know indecisiveness for example 
And then like, I kind of look to myself to say, okay, like I question myself, what should I do? Or should I go do this or go do that? And then I guess myself leads me to this or that, but really I shouldn't be doing that because I'm avoiding that space rather than facing it. And whether it's an uncomfortable feeling or it is a comfortable feeling, but the fact that I I did it without fearing that, that void. Well, it almost comes into correlation of facing your truth because your void is, is part of your truth. When you are leaving out things of your life and things that are important to you, things that basically in, okay, let's say, you know, who you are, you enjoy doing certain things, but somebody that you, you love dearly wants to do something different. Mm-hmm. So you go do the difference for them yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and not do what you want to do. So now that is a void in your life. And it's still a space that needs to be filled because you're never going to go and do it your way. If you don't go do it your way, if you if keep giving, giving yes, into... if you keep giving into other things or other people other than yourself, oh then you're creating voids. Wow. It's part of self-sabotage. Correct. Wow. Correct. And it kind of goes into the next point, seeing yourself that isn't yourself. Oh my gosh. Wow. You mean the identity that you create for yourself in the, like in the mirror, but not really in the mirror, Mm -hmm. like your Facebook identity. Pretty much. Like what you want to project that you are. For me, it's a little different. For me, it's more of something that like you feel held by, but isn't you. Basically, in some people's eyes, they they have created themselves from someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So they have neglected the, the true self of them. So it's sort of like you're else. following an imaginary whatever. Yeah. But it's it doesn't appear that way. Right. But it's just like something that's just kind of either like, like in a trance. Like and, leading a fake life. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you don't yeah, see it that way. That you're not. Yeah. For somebody else or exactly. just for society in general. Exactly. Right. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I found some some interesting steps in that when you think about that. One of the steps, it says, change the story you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So basically, for example, I always used to say out loud, I can never be on time. I'm not a morning person. I can't commit to anything. Mm -hmm. So if you keep telling yourself that story, that's going to keep going. You're going to convince yourself. That's exactly right. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Prophecy. Correct. Wow. We, Tony and I have actually talked about this. Yep to each other on several, several, several occasions. Then it goes into let go of the past, which would bring up that one. Uh-huh. Another hard one. That baggage is hard to get rid of. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. It says overthinkers often go backwards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Stop your thoughts in the moment and practice being present. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Ouch. Yep. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Let's see some deep, deep stuff there. Uh Uh-huh. 
Focus on what you can control. Amen. Now that one I can attest to. That uh -huh. is how you get out of, well, that's how I get out of my anxiety attacks when I have anxiety attacks. Absolutely. You realize that the try and narrow down the reason that you're acting this way. Why are you having this anxiety? Wow. If it's mm -hmm. due to an outside source, uh -huh. something that you cannot control, ground yourself. Absolutely. Think about what did you say, Tony? Three things that you can but, see, a couple things you can yeah. smell, and a couple things you can taste. Right. Absolutely. Basically, get in touch with your surroundings. Yep. You can see like five things. You can hear four things, something like that. I can't remember exactly right off the top of my head, mm -hmm. but you just ground yourself and let yourself know you're there. Yep. Yep. Like, and that you're okay, that you're safe. Absolutely. You are surrounded by something. Kind of goes into yeah. the next one they talk about. Okay. Identify your fears. There you go. Mm -hmm. Identify your fears. So when you identify your fears, you can control. Oh. It gives you back the control that it you feel you like control. you lost. Wow. Yeah. Write down or openly share solutions, not problems. Yeah. And it's very easy to get into that, even just talking to people that you, you say all these <clears throat> problems, all these things that are going wrong. Wow. And you don't have any solutions to get out of it. So you're just perpetuating the mm -hmm. problems. Absolutely. It says Tony Robbins. We all know who Tony Robbins is. I was is. wondering what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it quotes, energy flows where attention goes. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. good point there. So if the energy is flowing toward the negative and the down spiral, that's where the energy is going to go. And you're going to go faster. Give your power and energy to solutions. There you go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The next one, it says, make the decision to become a person of action. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Basically, that, that's it's that the change. It's do it thing, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Don't just think about it. Yeah. Get the old round to it and get around to it. Yep. Kind of like um, as it gave an example, chocolate or vanilla? Three, two, one, choose. Swirl. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, it says manage your stress, move, unplug, spend time in nature. Ah, I like that. Yeah. Very yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. All these, of course, will be on our website. You can find that on chrisandwill.com. Yes. And we will post those amazing tips and articles. And the best way to get through this is our way of how Chris and Will can help is by listening yes. to how it can help. Now, we can't change your mind. We can't change your life. We can't change your ways. We can tell you what works for us. Right. And you can decide what works for you. And we hope you find something that works for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're, we're joking a lot here, but, you know, it's it's so we don't overthink, really. Um, this is very serious. Yes. You've got to take control of your life. It's mm -hmm. your life. Um, yep. What is it? Yeah, be who you got to be and, you know, take control. Yep. Just take control. You yep. will get through this. Mm -hmm. Find this as an opportunity in life. There are not many times, if ever, in your lifetime that you will ever get the chance to change your life without having to worry about normal, everyday responsibilities. Exactly. Right. During the beginning of this, we always sat there and said, companies are working with you on your bills. Yes. That yes. never happens. No. Nope. Never happens. 
Um, you know, there are ways for you to get paid. You may be furloughed, you may not, but hey, there are ways that you can get paid. It does get better. Mm-hmm. It does get better, but it gives you the time to relocate your life in your space. Mm-hmm. And if that means that you have to ultimately change who you are, go for it. Nobody's there to stop you. Correct. Absolutely. No reason to stop you. If, if that's the right Absolutely. direction to go, go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Fly be free. Yes. So for our season two Stay Well finale, we have an amazing person on our show today. We have Shiva Rajay. Yes. She is a psychotherapist. She is the founder of the Center for Anxiety and OCD Clinic in Irvine, California. Actually. Ah. So she's very well accredited, a very wonderful woman, in my opinion. She serves for adults, teens, couples, and families. If you need her service, she's there for you. She's also got a lot of stuff online for you to go and find. Um, She's a motivational speaker. She's also done TED Talks. And she's also a behavioral therapist. Mm. So she is a wonderful person to end our series with and get all the advice that we need to get through through this pandemic and move on. So we are so excited to have her on the show. So we're going to go ahead and give her a call. So sit back, relax. Shiva Rajay is coming up. proud to welcome therapist Shiva Rajay. So excited. Love it. I love to keep people staying well, too. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. Well, let's go right on into it. Tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, so my background is my name is Shiva Rajai, and I am a marriage and family therapist. But my specialty is in treating anxiety disorders and obsessive compulsive disorder. And I am the founder of the Center for Anxiety and OCD, uh, which is a clinic down in Irvine, uh, California. And uh, uh-huh. there we treat all anxiety disorders, uh, all forms of obsessive compulsive disorder, all subtypes of OCD. And uh, basically, it's just my absolute um, passion uh, and calling both personally and professionally. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very nice. We know exactly where Irvine is. Yes. Right? We have actually uh, lived not far from Irvine, uh-huh. I think. We used to live in uh, Anaheim for a little while. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, we've yes. been to the spectrum. Yeah, in we went Irvine. to the spectrum yes. down there. So that's. Yeah, our offices are actually right next to the spectrum. So next oh. time you guys are down there, pop on by and say hi. Oh, we oh, definitely okay. will. We actually love the spectrum. We, we have gone there. Many, many, many times. In fact, um, not not to purposely get off subject a little bit, but uh, we had gone to a bar a few times with Quentin Tarantino inside the spectrum. Yeah, so, I think it was called Koji's. Yeah, the bar was called Koji's. I don't know if it's still there, but... Uh, oh, my gosh. Yes. So uh, we've gone there many, many times at night, and uh, Quentin would be there with us. So... So we're very familiar with it, but yeah, we'll definitely stop by. We love the spectrum. 
Yeah, I've obviously been hanging out with the wrong people at the Spectrum if I haven't seen much of Quentin there, but... Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't know if Koji's is even still there. Yeah. I don't... I, it's been a while since we've been over there. Yeah, but it's been a knows? long while. Who knows? So let's kind of go into your specialty. There's a lot of different topics in this that uh, you're, you specialize in, and... and one of the, the good things, I guess, about this interview is, for at least for us, it's it's relatable in a lot of senses because Willie deals with a lot of different anxiety issues, and I, you know, I have some some maintaining of stress level issues and balance to helping one another out. So it's it's really good for us to get a lot of this different information, and of course, a lot of our listeners they are having their own symptoms of stuff that they're dealing with especially now so let's start off with yeah. anxiety and tell me what is actually the real definition of anxiety in your opinion sure sure yeah i mean i guess just to start off with that i think it's like i appreciate you guys being open about your own experiences with it and just that every single person has anxiety you know i guess yes. it's, it's that's where it's important to start is like you know, you guys both experience anxiety and people, you know, with issues with, with stress management and most every, every single human being has anxiety. That is a emotion. That is an emotional reaction and response, just like anger is or joy uh -huh. is. So there's nothing at all pathological about anxiety. And, uh, and it is, you know, it is basically a response sent out by our brains, uh, meant to, to, activate us in the in the event that there is threat so uh -huh. the anxiety response is meant to keep us safe right it's basically right. like your fight-or-flight response you're gonna have an increased heart rate you might have um, tingling or numbness in some of your limbs or extremities your thoughts might begin to race mm -hmm. um, you might be get a bit lightheaded and yeah mm -hmm. and so these are right these are all some anxiety symptoms and essentially what that is, is your body is going into a state of threat response. Um, where it becomes an anxiety disorder, of course, is sort of when we're moving beyond that threat response being rational, uh, like uh -huh. in response to an actual threat, and maybe moving into a place where it is more um, of a misfiring of our brain's response system. Wow. wow. Very nice, very nice. And it's interesting that yeah. you say some of the symptoms because there's like so many symptoms nowadays of yeah. what anxiety really is. And it's so hard to explain. Well, you know, with Willie and I, we've been together for 21 years. So having to work with each other on how one deals with certain situations compared to how the other deals with <laughs> yeah. situations it's like <laughs> night and day yep. in a sense mm -hmm. and that becomes where the unbalance is is because you want to like for myself i'm a very independent confident directive you know push individual because i've had i've grown up having to do things for myself to an extent to where if I didn't rely on myself, then I would get nowhere. And that's my mentality, right. how I go. And Willie, on the other hand, is the opposite from that. Yep. And sometimes he finds himself trying to compete 
and compare and wanting to be on the same line. And it's like, no, 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 you, you, it's impossible because my life was lived differently than yours. And so I think it's more that's where of, we get so I wouldn't say compete, but I would say more that I strive to get to his level of, I don't know if independence is the word, but his confidence is he knows what he wants. Right. He does it, or at least that's what he shows on the outside. And so right. when I go to do something, like I know I could do it and I have done it before, but then I question myself. I have those right. second thoughts. And then, so then like an uh, example from earlier, um, I like I could see something in my head and I'm like okay that's what happened but then Chris tells me no it didn't happen like that it was otherwise and so I'm like okay so then I'm kind of confused because then it's like okay what really is it when I know what Chris is telling me is the truth but then that's where my lack of confidence comes in because then it's like okay if myself isn't able to grasp what actually happened then it's that anxiety of saying all right well if i can't get this then what's gonna what do i think of myself and then that spirals into other stuff and i'm pretty sure you get the point Mm -hmm. on that you know yeah i mean there's so much you guys sorry very interrupted so much you you put into that there's so much at, at play in those dynamics right like you guys are talking relational dynamics between a married couple which is a whole thing uh-huh. Um, probably your own individual family histories, which is which contributes to it. You know, Will, you're almost talking a little bit about like you've got that anxious voice in your mind that's kind of making you doubt yourself. Yes, which is a thing. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm hearing like you know there's a, there's so much, and and I think that's a really good uh, reflection of how anxiety can show up in like lots of different ways, not just symptomatically, right, but like in so many different arenas of our lives and relationships. Right. Absolutely. And I agree with that. Now, do you think that um, anxiety is uh, an inheritance, maybe? Yeah. So what we have found is that studies show that, again, anxiety in and of itself is every single person has it. But if we're talking about high anxiety or an anxiety disorder, there Uh does tend to be a genetic component to that. Uh-huh. So it's likely that, like, for example, I'll take OCD, which is an anxiety disorder, and it's, um, a, a, you know, a, a very hi- higher-level anxiety disorder. It can be very distressing. Mm-hmm. That is, studies have shown that that's passed down through families. Um, but gen- generally, if you're a person who's prone to kind of anxiety, depression, um, yes, there are uh, sort of biological genes for that. And then what we say, we like to say that it, um, nature loads the gun and, uh, and nurture pulls the trigger. So right. environment and nurture is what activates that gene. Wow. Ah, okay. So yeah, yeah. so if you grew up in certain environments, for example, right, uh-huh. you're more likely to have maybe higher anxiety yeah. or um, anxiety that's of a certain nature. Like, you know, if you grew up in an invalidating home, for example, it can be a lot harder to feel confident. Yep. Anxiety can latch onto that. Uh-huh. So, so many different ways you can see it play out based off of environment. Right. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. I'm kind of a little off on that. Um, so if I agree that it, it's an inheritance and it can be, or in, in theory, it might be. But what happens if you know that it is an inheritance and you know that your parents suffer from uh, depression and anxiety, but yet 
they don't themselves want to admit that they they're dealing with depression and anxiety but they want you to make yourself think and admit that you suffer from that when in theory you both are kind of sharing that same uh symptoms does that make sense oh yeah i mean that's really interesting that Mm -hmm. is super interesting i mean i think I think a lot of times, Chris, parents do that, like with lots of things where it's like they're not ready to own or acknowledge something in themselves. They, uh-huh. It's too overwhelming. They can't. And then it sort of becomes like I think so many of our like so many of the, the pain, so much of the wounding that happens for people is parents who don't want to acknowledge their own stuff. Right. And then right. basically they things become the kid's problem or yep. they're too much. They're too excessive. Uh-huh. They're too they're loud they're too big they're too whatever yeah and it really is is like the parents own stuff that they're not willing to acknowledge but your question is almost is almost one step more specific than that right like what if my parent has an anxiety disorder and they want me to deal with it but they don't want to deal with it exactly right it's like that's their journey like Mm -hmm. i don't know if you can force anybody to do anything but um but i certainly have seen that happen a lot we get a lot of like teen clients come in or kid clients come in and we uh-huh. sort of laugh because it's like, you know, we're treating the kid, but really who we want to be treating is the parent. Yes. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And it's so hard in that because, again, when it's almost like when the parents send you to a psychiatrist and says, you need to see a psychiatrist. But in theory, it's like, well, you need to be here with me because my problem is with you yes. and not with everything right. else in life. That's right. it. That's and then it. the problem right. sorts to, sort of becomes increased because now they start using the guilt method mm-hmm. and saying, well, you're telling me I'm a bad parent. You're telling me I'm doing all these things wrong. And it's like, well, I would really love to say that, yes, you are doing all these things wrong. You're not a bad parent, but you're destroying me inside. And exactly. I really want you to fix that. Yes. So it almost becomes a double-edged sword in that situation. Oh, it's so true. I mean, it's hard because it's like I would so much rather anyone get treatment in that situation. Like, I'm like, a, right. I would rather have the kid, like a child in there getting treatment than none at all. Mm-hmm. But there is so many times when it's exactly that. And it's like it would be so much ben- more beneficial if, you know, the source of that anxiety, which sometimes is, again, it's sometimes it's purely genetic. Like sometimes a parent will bring right. the kid in and it's a totally loving environment. And they're, you know, they're really sensitive parents who are really tuned into their kids. But but there's a lot of times when it's, it is not that or it's even kind of like, I think, Will, you were saying this, but kind of the situation where the parent clearly has an anxiety disorder yes. as well mm-hmm. or has totally untreated anxiety. And so yes. it's like, well, how is the kid really going to heal? Like, how is your child really going to heal if you're not willing to model for them that you're also brave enough to manage your anxiety? Amazing. Wow. Now, here's a here. Now, here's a good question. And. And a lot of this is personal experience. We know a lot of our listeners deal with a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right. in this type of situation to where he deals with a lot of anxiety, he deals with a lot of different depression caused by parents. And the one of the methods that the therapist that he has seen had practiced with him is letting go and finding a way for him to separate himself away from them and their causes in your personal opinion without knowing much more than what you already know do you think mm-hmm. that the right thing to help him heal himself is to find a source of letting go you know yeah i mean it's, it's always good advice because 
I think it sort of goes back to the original. I think we were talking a little bit about this in an earlier question, Chris, but this idea of like, can you really control somebody else's process? Like, right. you know, if there's been, again, if there's been wounding or there's been like a parent who's been anxious or, or misaligned, they haven't seen you. They, they're not able to attune to your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really tough to sort of like, maybe I think some people can kind of go to their parents and be like, look, you hurt me in this way. And there can be like a transformation. Uh-huh. But I've also seen so many instances where that's just not safe for the person to do. Like, right. it's going to be invalidating or the parents are going to be like, no, no, you're you're still this is still you. You know, they're just not going to be at the capacity to be able to take that on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's a lot of people, right? Like, I think that's a lot of our, our parents where it's the situation where, you know, I mean, they come from their own generational struggles and they mm-hmm. have their own limitations and coping mechanisms in this life. And I tell clients a lot, like, to ask somebody to own their shit, it yeah. is, it, it, it's really hard for somebody to own their shit. Like, yeah. it takes a real reckoning to uh-huh. be able to look at yourself and be like, wow, maybe I hurt my child. Like, uh-huh. maybe I've been hurting my child their entire life. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. So a part of me is like, if you can make, it's so wonderful if a parent can apologize or they could be, there could be amends made. But if there cannot be because it's not safe for you or it's not possible because of the parent or maybe the parent is dead, right? Right. Then letting it go and I sort of think about it more as not letting go but I think about letting experiences be like letting feelings exist without trying to push them away like letting the reality of what happened exist while also working on self-healing right and kind of like Uh being that being the parent that you didn't have or giving yourself the validation that you didn't get whatever Mm. it may be whatever the wound is yeah wow You bring up an interesting fact in that, that letting the feelings exist and uh, also healing your own self. Um, Because from my situation, um, my parents have told me, uh, specifically my father, that um, he or they won't change for anybody. And that was very hard for me to listen to. Um, And that was several years ago. Um, and they, and even right now talking about it, it's difficult, but I think this is the, or I shouldn't say, I think I believe is the truth. They claim that they unconditionally love me when really they conditionally love me. And that makes me sad. Like I hurt, you know, but I know that I can't continue letting that affect my present or my future. Um, so it's just really interesting yeah. how you, how you put that in words, like you really connected with me at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there really is, I think there is really an acceptance that has to happen. Like if we're, you know, specifically with parents or with, or with people who have wounded us, it's like, sometimes we might not get what we need from them. Mm-hmm. We might not get, like you said, that apology or that truly unconditional love you know, my, my guess is your parents are probably doing their best, but that doesn't mean that it's enough in order to heal us. And so that's one of the great tasks of not only our adult selves, but also what marriage and relationships and long-term commitment can bring to our lives is like this ability to heal through a different relationship, right? Like right. you get to reenact some of that pain with Chris 
And the two of you can do it collectively together, which is like, it's why marriage and relationships can be so difficult, but they can also be like total mirrors and, and um, vehicles for transformation. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Well, you know, the one thing that, um, especially with Nell, and we moved, we just moved into a new place. And so as we're settling in into our, our new place, we're, we're, we're going through our stuff and going through your stuff. You, you bring in the flashbacks of the good, the bad, and all of it, you know? So it comes yeah. into that, that place to where he almost gets afraid to put up a picture of his parents because it's like, well, they're negative and they're going to bring the negative into the apartment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, my philosophy behind it is they're not bad people people they've just made bad choices and Mm -hmm. because of that they've not in my opinion and without going into any of his details i don't feel that they've done enough to where a picture on the wall of them is enough to return bad fear or bad panic attacks you know what i mean it's just he doesn't like the reflection on it so it, do you think that when you look at old stuff like that, do you think that the reflections are should be left in the box, or do you think the reflections are okay enough to revisit it at any time of your life? Yeah, I mean, that's a beautiful, uh, that idea of moving into a new space, right? And like taking stock of your your life and your where you're at now. Like I totally resonate with that first and foremost. I think like moving can be this really, like uh, it can be unsettling, it can bring right. stuff. So I, I totally want to resonate with that, and, and also congrats on your new place wherever you guys Thank are. You. Thank you. But, um, yeah, that's wonderful. But you know, that's interesting, Chris. It's like to me, it feels like a, just a very personal. Like it would be very personal to Will, or it'd be personal to you, or it'd be personal to me. Like I think one thing, like I used to, you know, in therapy, I think there's something I used to say that reminds me of this. It's you know, it's like I don't think that I have have suffered enough to have that reaction or that response like I've said that before and I think one of the things that's been reflected back to me that I think is really helpful is like there is no there is no formula for our trauma like there is no formula that says that you know well because you had this level of it then that's your response because we're all different and we all process things differently so you know you look at siblings a lot and this happens where the same trauma might have happened, uh, the same parental wound might have been there, but the response in two siblings could be completely different. And neither person is wrong, and there's no right way to do it. So, you know, could the pictures in the home be interesting um, guidelines or guideposts for Will, like, oh, this is a place that I need a little bit more attention or love? Yeah, yeah, they they could be, but at the same time, I, I do understand. Um, I do understand that they they carry a big emotion around with them. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So that might go- not be something you want in your home. I do get that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's more so not so much looking at the picture, because I mean I unconditionally love my parents. I mean I can say that for me. The thing is, is that. I think my fear was, sort of is, is that like when I would confront them on things, my legs would start shaking or, you know, I would, yeah. it would, it's like that petrified feeling, like you just, like a frozen feeling and it's beyond uncomfortable. 
And I've always felt I shouldn't feel guarded around, you know, my family, my parents, you know. I mean, but that's the way it is. And I guess that's something at the current moment that I have to need to come to terms with. Yeah, I could just, just could my only, you know, it's, it's interesting because I obviously I'm just getting to sort of speak to you guys. So I don't know your full history. Right, of course. I think of that course. would be interesting to ask a little bit, Will, of like, you know, well, what is that response there? Like there, there does sound to be like there's some anxiety there and that. And, you know, what was that about for you? And um, there's so many answers that it could be. And I'm sure even as I'm asking it, you probably know a little bit about, you know, you could probably answer me right now. But this idea of like, you know, if you felt that pet- petrified anxiety when you think about your parents, well, that doesn't have to be separate from loving them, uh-huh. but that still could be something that's worth exploring, and I'm sure you already have, right? It's like, yeah. well, what is that? You know, what is what is that fear or that fear of judgment or that fear of rejection or what is that, right? Well, you know, a lot of the, the sad issues that we've come encounter with as far as him going to therapists, because he does, He's, he has mm-hmm. seen a therapist regularly, um, unfortunately, since right. this pandemic, of course, the therapist he has seen has been very less and less in few, um, and which is kind of odd and insane at the same run, because even during a pandemic, people still need therapy, um, whether it's at home, like, or doing kind of what we're doing or doing it on Zoom or something of the nature. But this, sure, this sure. therapist, unfortunately, has had no communication since this started so it's just like okay well that's probably a sign but at the same time they you know there are so there is a such thing of good therapists and bad therapists and some that just aren't as they should be in a sense and you know the focus Mm -hmm. point in my opinion should be what his issue is and the core of the problem and you just kind of identified exactly what that was Mm -hmm. when it has taken him several several sessions with a therapist to get to the point that says hey look oh it is your parents you're having these issues with your parents it's like we told you that when we walked in the door but their focus becomes his sexuality and it's like no he he doesn't have a problem with who he is he has a problem Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. somebody else accepting who he is so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what would you he how would you calm a person that would that has now developed a sense of fear towards doctors, therapists, and psychologists that have kind of steered him wrong in a yeah. sense. How do you, how would you coach a person in that situation that just came to you and said, "Look, I need help. I need assistance, but I am scared shitless of oh, yeah. you right now." Mm-hmm. So tell me, what is yeah. it that you're gonna do that's gonna make you different from my experience? And to add to qu- uh, Chris's mm-hmm. uh, question real quickly, like I would notice before every session, like whether it's that same day or whether it's like a day or so beforehand. Like, I would get really anxious or get really nervous mm-hmm, for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, well, I really shouldn't be because I'm going there to, you know, be in a safe place, you know, to talk about this and to get over whatever is going on. But it seems like the opposite keeps happening. And to me, I'm like, I, in so many words, that shouldn't be happening. You know, it should yeah. be the other mm-hmm. way around. So I just wanted to add that in real quickly. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm glad you guys brought that up. It's a very important 
I almost feel like you could spend you could spend a whole hour talking about what you know what makes good therapy and what makes bad therapy and how do you really suss yeah. out? There's so many options. There's so many people out there, and you know a lot of times it's it's tough because we're going based off of you know maybe like reviews we see online or so. It's hard to find right. good help. It really is, and um, and I, I gosh, there's so many ways to answer this. I mean, I guess I would start by saying that you know. It, it is normal. It makes sense when you are beginning the process of being vulnerable with somebody and opening up to somebody. It makes sense that you would feel anxious. Uh -huh. But I do think, well, you're talking a little bit about something beyond that, which mm -hmm. is like, you know, no, this is not only the first, you know, I'm, oh, I'm entering into treatment. That is a scary thing. You know, it's nerve wracking. Yes. But you're almost talking about an experience where maybe you're not feeling like you're the word we use is like contained, like that you're working with somebody who maybe um, it doesn't feel like they're really connecting with you or are able to contain right. what you're feeling. And exactly. so then you don't feel like you're able to relax. You're not being seen, we say, right? And, and in right. some ways, that can be just as traumatizing as a lot of the ways in which people grow up, right? It's like, wow. oh gosh, here's another environment where I'm not being understood and I'm not being seen. And, and that's tough. So wow. I, I guess this yeah, I mean, the thing I would say to start is just that I totally, it is a very anxiety producing, you know, starting treatment of any kind is a big leap of faith. And you want to be an educated consumer. Um, uh -huh. But the first thing I would say is it's normal to feel anxious about that. And um, I, I always tell people, you know, if you are feeling that, and you feel comfortable to do so, you can absolutely bring that up with your therapist, you know, I mean, you can say to your therapist, hey, this is the experience that I'm having. Um, and, right. and the two of you can try to work through that together. But uh, it's, it is, you know, if finding a match, they sort of say like, you can therapist date in a way, because you uh -huh. really do have to find a person to work with uh -huh. who you like. You know, you got to really like being in the room with that person. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. And I agree. I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. So let's go into, you have done a lot of public speaking and I love your public speaking methods. And the one that drew me to uh, calling you actually for the interview was, gosh, I can't remember the title, but it was your TEDx interview where you were talking about your dream of Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> and his <laughs> dating process. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It was such a wonderful presentation. And we both got the feel of your, your personality yeah, and uh -huh. it's the same and it matches. So tell me if you remember back at that presentation, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I did give I gave a TEDx talk at um, UCLA, which is my alma mater, in uh -huh. uh, 2017. And um, the, the talk was, and I might sub the title too, but something along the lines of, it's been a little while, but uh -huh. um, Anxiety in the Age of Information, Addicted yes. to the Answer, Anxiety in the Age of Information. Right. And um, the, the, the talk really, like my impetus to getting on that stage and talking was twofold. And, um, you know, one was, how I was really seeing in my work as an anxiety specialist this like incredible uh, theme between not just my clients but my friends, my family members. It was almost like the whole world was becoming more anxious, uh -huh. and studies have supported that that there is a, a really big rise in anxiety disorders, um, a, a lot of rise in mental health conditions. You know, in the last uh, 10, 20 years. And uh, one of the things that I believe is there is, an, is a connection with, there's a lot of reasons, it's a complex idea, 
But one of the things that I pulled out in this talk was that our relationship to technology has turned us into sort of these seekers of answers, uh -huh, that we're looking uh -huh. for instant answers, that yep. we're looking for, you know, solutions, that the world has become this place where it's like, you know, it's not good, throw it away. You, you know, you want an answer, you can just Google and find it. And yes, and, and sort of recognizing that so much of the healing that I do with people with anxiety is the exact opposite. It's really? Like, wow. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. It's all of healing anxiety disorders. Now, not trauma, right? But anxiety disorders right, really yes. coming in and saying, you know, it's okay if we don't have an answer. Like, you might not know what's going to happen in the future. You might not know if they're judging you. You might not know what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or with coronavirus. But, but you know, can you allow that unknown to exist in your life? And right. I was, you know, out here seeing so many people doing the exact opposite of that. So the talk was really born of my desire to kind of share this message that I was practicing every day, not only personally, uh, because I have a diagnosis of OCD myself, but with my clients, which is, you know, hey, it, we're not going to be able to solve some of the biggest questions in life by Googling them. It doesn't yes. work for everything. So we've got to make sure we're practicing some other tools here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. And I think that unfortunately with this pandemic, I think that uh, we have drawn people more to doing that then we have trying to educate them away from going and finding the wrong information. And I don't know how many times I've gone to a doctor or spoken to a doctor and I've said, hey, look, I have these symptoms and I've Googled it and it said I have this. And yes, yes. They, yeah, they, they, they go, please stay off of... Uh, uh, yep. MedMD or something, Web whatever. WebMD. Web yeah. Please stay off of that. And, and I was like, oh, okay, so you know what I'm talking about? He goes, everybody comes in here and tells me what they found yeah. online. And I can assure you, you don't have that. It says you're going to die. You're not going to die. I promise you, you're not. Uh, you will eventually, but you're not today. Um, right, but, right, right. So it's, so it's so much truth into that. And now that we have are in a position to where it's it's difficult for you to get that one-on-one session with your doctor now or see them or get that access that you once had that now you're forced to look at it online so i have to i have to say i, I agree with that and i wish that um, in some ways we would have found a better format on how to deal with this whole pandemic in itself because I honestly believe that we're going to see more anxiety and mental health problems now than we did before this. And before this was bad. It was really bad. And now oh, it's going to yeah. be a lot worse. And we're just not prepared for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's exactly the experience I'm seeing, too, which is just, you know, I I, um, I was listening. This was early on in the quarantine, like maybe week one, uh, when, when anxiety uh -huh. was especially high. I mean, I think it's been high throughout. but. In the very beginning, I think it was just um, so completely unprecedented. I'm sure you you both remember, but yeah. uh, I was driving at the time. We were still going places, and I was listening to NPR, and um, one of the uh, broadcasters who was on was saying, you know, we know you want answers, and we're here to make sure that you get up-to-date information every second of the day, or it was something uh -huh. like that. And I, re I remember hearing that and being like, oh, no, you know, like I, I completely understand that's what the news is for, you know, and that's what right. we want correct information. But 
this idea that the way to feel good is to be completely informed um, and completely confident that you're, you know, you have all the answers, that's a slippery slope. Yes. Right? It's like, that's a slippery slope. You definitely want to. I tell people, I'm like, get your correct information. Go to the CDC website. You know, look at the CDC website maybe once a day. But no news station on earth is going to be able to tell you you're going to be okay. You know, that's that's not a, no one on earth can tell you that, right? I agree. So it's like, can we get some information, but can we also tolerate the fact that we're human beings and we're spinning on a globe and we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow? Right. It's like, let's tolerate a little bit of that as well. Wow. Uh, And that that is, yeah, and that is tough work. It's tough work because we love to have certainty and answers. Uh, and we're very much, when we're triggered as human beings, that's what we seek. So Absolutely. it's very natural for us to look for answers. It's just you can't find answers to a lot of the most important questions. Absolutely. Now, here, here's a thought process, and I'd love to hear your thought on this one. The phrase, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> now, when do you believe when it's said everything happens for a reason and people are searching for that reason, do you believe that the reason should be left unknown or do you think a person should spend time looking for that reason? Oh, that's so interesting. That's a really interesting Uh, question. (laughs) It's very complex and I'm like, "Mm, I'd love to hear her opinion about this one. It's a super interesting question. I can sort of give you a little bit of my personal thoughts and then also maybe my clinical thoughts. Okay. Um, Personally, I do, I believe some version of that statement I think like a lot of religion is founded on some version of that statement. I think that there is something really comforting about believing that there is a a rhyme or rhythm to our human lives. Uh So I think that we're very attracted to, and I know I am, I consider myself pretty spiritual, um, Uh and I'm attracted to the idea that there's a, a point, there's some harmony, there's some, you know, reason that things happen. Uh, whether or not that's true or that's some kind of self-delusion, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'll figure it out when I die. But um, uh-huh. <laughs> but that is, that's how I personally feel. Um, from a standpoint of anxiety, it's a delicate balance, actually, because, you know, meaning-making is part of humanity. I mean, we all make meaning out of our lives. We tell ourselves stories. Um, all of human life are stories that we tell ourselves. But needing something to make meaning or needing something to be uh, meaningful or understood in this exact moment can be a trap. Uh-huh. So sometimes the meaning doesn't come to you for years, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you don't right. look back on it tomorrow and go, I know why my mom died. You look back on it in, in 10 years and go, wow, you know, she died at that time and it makes sense given what I was going through that I felt this way and X, Y, and Z. And you yep. can put it together in this mm-hmm. way that makes sense. Yeah, uh-huh. But I think if you're looking for instant meaning, just like the people who are looking for instant answers, instant solutions, that's not a good place to be psychologically. Gotcha. Yep, it makes sense. I, I kind of say that to myself sometimes because when, when I say, okay, everything happens for a reason, I kind of don't go searching for that reason because I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to trust into faith and whenever faith's ready for me to know why this happened, that's when I'll know. Um, so yeah. I, I agree. I do, I do agree. So let's go into, uh, you brought this up a little bit, and I'm curious to know, again, a new real definition of it because I get so many terminologies of it. 
What is OCD? Mm-hmm. Great. I'm so glad you asked. I love, <laughs> uh, I love being able to have an opportunity to educate a little bit more on this. So yes. um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, is a, a neurobiological, so it is genetic and, and it does have a genetic component, but it's a neurobiological condition that involves the presence of unwanted intrusive thoughts or feelings and the presence of compulsions or compulsive behaviors that we use to, to basically uh, numb or, or um, nullify that anxiety. So wow. what people think OCD is, is like as good as it gets, Jack Nicholson hand washing, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, compulsive cleaning or organizing, and that is true. Okay, so uh-huh. um, we could get into clinical definitions, but Jack Nicholson actually has something we call OCPD, personality disorder, as opposed to OCD. But uh, for, for all intents and purposes, yes, if you obsessively clean and you're disturbed by, you know, you really have this sense that your world is dirty and contaminated or you're washing your hands 20 times a day, it's most likely that that is OCD. But where it gets interesting is, that's probably like one fourth of what I treat in terms of OCD Mm, because so much of what OCD is that people don't know about is a term that we call um, in the, in the community, it's called pure obsessional OCD, Uh which is a little bit of a misnomer. I'll explain it. What it really means is that your obsessions and your compulsions are all happening mentally. So what Mm. that looks like is obsessions with, what if I'm an immoral person? What if I am secretly lying about my um, true identity, my sexuality? What if I'm a pedophile? What if uh-huh. I'm? Uh, what if I am? You know, not truly in love with my partner. What if I'm lying to myself? So there's these kinds of themes that the uh, person with OCD, with pure O, will be concerned with, and then the compulsion, sort of like the hand washing portion of this is basically overthinking, ruminating. It all happens mentally. So Uh it's kind of like you wouldn't be able to see this. I mean, I have this form of OCD, and you would never be able to know by looking at me. But Mm -hmm. if you um, were my friend long enough, you would be able to see that I I got very, very, I overthink quite a bit. And I can be quite ruminative. I can get quite stuck mentally. Uh But that's the one that people tend to know very little about. We tend to think it's just hand-washing and organizing and door-checking. And it is, but it's also this whole other realm of um, of obsessions and compulsions. Now, do you think it could be a combination of of both? Is there a form? Oh yes, I have okay. seen. Mm-hmm. I have definitely seen a combination of both. I've also seen people's themes switch. So you could uh-huh. have, for a period of your life, you could be concerned with what if I'm a murderer, and then another period of your life, you could be concerned with. Um, what if someone breaks into my house and harms my family or, uh-huh. you know, you could have a contamination obsession, something like that. Gotcha. Hmm, interesting. So, and this is just an example because this is from my past experience. Would like, for example, if I picking out my clothes for today and I choose a certain color and I'm having a tough time or struggling choosing what color of clothes to wear, um, thinking that it may affect others, would that fall into that category or is that something completely different? It could be, it could be. So one of the key distinctions with identifying and diagnosing OCD is you're gonna really wanna ask yourself, 
is the thought that I'm having is the obsession, an unwanted experience. So that's really key because people will oftentimes come in. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, I'm having these thoughts about, you know, my brain is telling me, oh, you want to kill your partner, right? Like you want to murder your partner, but I'm terrified by these thoughts. I hate having these thoughts. Uh Well, it, it sounds pretty sensical when you say it out loud, but like murderers don't mind that thought, right? Right. That's how you make a very key distinction between an anxiety disorder and an actual individual who could be harmful. So oh. one of the questions I would ask you if you had come in, Willie, is I would sort of say, well, how does that thought make you feel? I mean, is it annoying to you? Is it yes. distressing to you? Does yes. it happen right hundreds of times, multiple times a day? Like, is it really <laughs> intrusive? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And if the answer is yes to that, then it would it would steer me closer towards, you know, uh, obsessive compulsive symptoms. Certainly. Yeah, right. because like for me, like I, w- I would go into, you know, uh, look at my dresser drawer and I'm like, I really just want to pick up something and go on with my day, but that wouldn't happen. I would look at him like, well, if I wear this color today, you know, maybe this feels a certain way, you know, how would it affect Chris? How would it affect other people I come encounter with? Girl, he drives me nuts when he does that. (laughs) And it's like, well, you just find something already. And it's like, well, no, just, it's not going to... You wear this shirt, it will not kill people, I promise. Or put out a negative. That's my, that's, that's, Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the thing of it is, is you, a lot of it is, it's, it's the anxiety and it's, it's mixed in so many different emotions as well. And so I guess this would lead me into this question. For a person like myself or for anybody who is in a relationship or has a friend, whether it's a partner or not, and they are constantly working through the other the other halves dealing with maybe an OCD or severe anxiety, what would you say to them to say, okay, you have got to be this way so you don't give up on that friend? Like, for example... I'm yeah. here for him every single day and, and every moment that he needs me. But there are times, to be honest, that I'm like, I am ready to give up and say, look, you just need to go to the doctor and they just need to do whatever because it's over my head. But I don't want to yeah. do that because I feel like I've lost trust. But I'm trying to get through my own emotions so I don't lose me. So how do mm-hmm. I find a balance in patient? Because I think we're past the patience in that. I think we're, we're over that, but how do I find a balance in this situation? Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful question and it's a really important question. And, um, and you know, it's, it's definitely something I know, you know, I've experienced, I know, I know my husband would love the answer to this question and has really uh-huh. talked through this kind of stuff too, but it really comes down to, you pointed out a couple great things, Chris. It's like one is, it is hard, you know, I mean, it is difficult to, love somebody with anxiety or with OCD. It is difficult. Uh, and it's hard to know how to support them properly. Um, right. So one way to do that is to make sure that you yourself have support. You know, so one thing I would say to partners is, you know, make sure that you have support, whether that's talking to friends, having an outlet, right? Um, having alone time, having your own therapy, having your own support, I think is important no matter really what, but especially uh-huh. if your partner is working through uh, an anxiety disorder, it's, it's important that you have a place to be able to go and kind of kvetch a little bit, right? Like, which is right. normal, it's totally normal. Right. So I'd say that's really important. But in kind of a more um, practical tools-based sense, one of the things that happens with OCD quite a bit is 
this desire for certainty. Like part of what Will would be doing, if I understand it correctly, is, you know, if I pick the right shirt, then nothing bad will happen. Yes. Right. Yes. Something like that. Yeah, right? You, you right. got it. Yeah, that is it. Yes. Shirt and it's going to, yeah. It, and I get it because I, I, cause I can understand it personally, but also it's, it's, of course, all I treat. So this idea of like the shirt is, is my way to control the outcome of this day, which is um, one of the that's really the hope behind compulsion. It's like, if I just wash my hands enough times, I'm going to feel okay. If I just, you know, count to to 10 walking backwards or whatever, then people I love won't die. Yeah. So compulsions are this attempt to, yeah, they're this attempt to control an uncontrollable world. And so one of the sort of messages that a partner can give is like, you know, Hey, you know, I know you really want to get this right. But no matter what happens here, like, you can choose to handle the discomfort. Like, you can be okay with the unknown of whether or not today is going to be a good day. Or you can choose to cope with whatever the outcome is. But it's sort of a question of, like, you know, do you want, do you want to get stuck doing this your whole life? Or do you want to tolerate the possibility that you could have a bad day and say, you know, pardon my language, but fuck it, put a shirt on, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's tough on both ends because it really does take. Like my suggestion would be, of course, ideally, you know, Will would be in treatment for this himself. Not for you know, I, I can't diagnose you, of course, off the phone, Will, but for right, you yeah. know, working with someone with your anxiety, so that some of that pressure also gets taken off of your partner um, to have to be that voice of push right. through, tolerate the anxiety. Like that would be something we take on ourselves. And I right, think absolutely. just by hearing you talk about that, yeah, I feel like it does speak to me because, like, I would I'm I'm generally known for being a typically happy person and knowing for smiling a lot. So I feel like you know in the relationship I'm the one that's there for Chris to make him happy too. But then since I've been going through all this stuff you know, that hasn't been happening, you know, on some, Mm -hmm. some basis. And, you know, so then I feel like, all right, if I do choose a certain color shirt or whatever, you know, then that'll help me get back into that frame of mind. And I think that's where you were talking about that certainty to when really I can just pick whatever shirt I want and it doesn't matter. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And that's okay. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, that's completely correct. And, and sort of like in that particular example, it's like, you know, your, your happiness has nothing to do with, with the color shirt you wear, right? It's, it's, the cho- it's a choice that you make. It's, it's, it's habits you implement. It's all these things. But it's a very understandable illusion of control to think that if we only do something in the right way, nothing bad will happen or right. we'll regain some part of ourselves. Like, I really empathize with that. You know, I totally do. It's just also recognizing that's not really how we become happy and that's not really how we prevent bad things from happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. So are there ways professionally that you can give as far as a person to avoid or maintain or handle or deal with anxiety, especially in today's change that we're having to go through? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I would say is if you are seeking out a, a, a therapist, if you are seeking out help for anxiety in particular, um, and I'm going to make that distinct from 
somebody who's gone through trauma. So if you've gone through something and there's anxiety as a result of it, that's you're going to want to go to what we call talk therapy. So you're going to want to go seek out, um, you know, your, your conventional talk therapist style. But I want to make it clear that if you're suffering with OCD or a heightened anxiety disorder, a phobia, um, agoraphobia, panic, anything like that, if it really seems like your anxiety doesn't match your environmental threat, uh-huh. then uh, what I suggest is seeking out a specialist who's able to treat you using cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure and response prevention. Hmm. So these are the uh, empirically supported, research supported gold standards of treatment for anxiety. And one of the mis- mistakes I see quite often, it, it simply comes from lack of information on everyone's end, clinicians end, client end, lack of education, is you know people with anxiety disorders will go and seek out a therapist who's not specialized to treat OCD or anxiety, and um, they'll get poor results, and sometimes their work will actually go backwards. So uh, if, you nice. are, if you identify with sort of what we're talking about today here, my number one suggestion is, is just look for somebody who's truly uh, a specialist at this work. It's gonna make a world of difference. Um, but in actual sort of real steps or stages for it, um, of course, there's so much to say. Right. I think that there's so much to say there. I mean, I think I'm, 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 I'll speak more generally. Of course, there's, there's so much to work through with each individual and their anxiety. But some of the main changes that I could ask the person to make if I was just meeting them on the street is um, allow your emotions to exist. One of the biggest mistakes we make with managing anxiety is mm-hmm. trying not to feel it. So oh. trying to say, oh, I don't like this thought. I'm going to not feel it. I'm going to push it away. I'm going to try and do all these rituals to get rid of it. I'm going to, you know, whatever. I'm going to drink. I'm going to smoke. I'm going to do all these things. Um, All that does is it tells our brain, I can't handle this. Uh And when we tell our brain, I can't handle something, our brain becomes more anxious about that thing. Hmm. So it's very counterintuitive. But if you're trying to treat a phobia, for example, an anxiety about something, you have to actually orient yourself towards the anxiety and step into discomfort. You have to be willing to feel anxiety in order to tell your brain, hey, this thing isn't that big of a deal, right? This isn't that big of a deal. You can stop trying to protect me so much from it. Right. Wow. Wow. Very nice. Very, very nice. Now, do you offer uh, any public services other than uh, at your location in Irvine? Do you like online stuff? So what, yeah, so unfortunately at this time, no no sort of online classes yet. But um, uh, what we do is we are offering telehealth. So during uh-huh. this time, myself and my uh, clinicians on staff, we're all practicing uh, telehealth. So we practice remotely all over California. We practice internationally. Um, and uh, and that's what we're offering at this time. And. And I'm also in the process of writing a book that's going to come out hopefully in the spring of 2021. Oh, nice. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to, yeah, hoping I'll be able to just offer, you know, as much guidance and resources as I possibly can and um, and just, you know, really continue to, to help out and educate any way possible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you when the book comes out, yes. let us know. Uh-huh. And uh, we would love to promote it on the show and have you back on the show yes. again. To uh, talk oh, about all your that. practice. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. I love that. That would Absolutely. be wonderful. I, I, 
it's been great talking to you guys. So it'd be wonderful to touch base again in in a in slightly different times. We'll be in different times. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Absolutely. Well, you know, the best thing about this show and what we've offered with our Get Well segments during this whole process is exactly what it means is get well. And for the many of people that have reached out to us and basically thanked us and and asked for help, and we never thought that we could actually help a person this way until we started doing this Uh and we're able to direct them to people like yourself Mm -hmm. and say look you know they're like we i i'm go we adapt with you guys you guys are going through the same thing i'm going through but i just don't know that i have the strength like you do Mm -hmm. to do this and like absolutely you have the strength yes you need to go talk to this person they're willing to help and they actually do and i love that it's almost like therapy in a sense that we're bringing our listeners into a way to better themselves and handle it and know that look you're not going through this by yourself and alone you're we're in this together no yeah. matter whether this was before the pandemic during and after we're all doing something together and so i have to say i appreciate everything that you do and you guys are working really hard to keep the world turning the right way. Yes. And so thank you for that. Absolutely. Oh, I so appreciate that. And, and honestly, what a what an amazing you know use of your platform and and, and just you know just to sort of be able to help your your listeners and bring information and education. And so I'm really um, really really grateful to to have been a part of this with you guys and and just to have had a chance to get to know you both a little better and, and chat. It's been really wonderful. So thank you so much. I have to say the best thing about staying well is staying well, obviously. It's simple as that. Yes, of course, Mm -hmm. of course. Well, we want to thank again our teammates, our special guests, Tony and Ginger, for being on our show once again. Thanks for having us. Oh, it was so much fun. You never know, you guys. They might be on again and again and again and Mm -hmm. again. And we want to thank you guys for joining us week after week when we can get back to a weekly program. (laughs) Um, Be sure to check us out on our website. Chrisandwill.com. Follow us on Instagram. At Chris.and.will. That's right. And our season finale of season two is coming up. So you might want to stay tuned for that. Plus, season three is coming in October. Ooh. Yes, a lot of exciting stuff. Yes. Well, we want to thank Shiva for coming on our show and helping us all stay well during this unfortunate times of our life. The forcing of change, I should yes. say. Yes. And uh, we want to wish you all well. Take care of yourselves. You'll get through this. You will manage it. It will get better. Yes. I promise you it does get better. And remember to love yourself and the world will love you in return. But for now, you guys, we have to go. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you for season finale this week. Bye. 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 Bye.